Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, this morning, we're going to be in John's Gospel, chapter 9. So, John's Gospel, chapter 9. Now, most of us have been, at some point in time, been in situations where we've, uh, well, example, a lot of times, getting up early in the morning, for example, uh, those of you who do that, some of us do that just because it happens to us. I don't know, maybe we go to sleep too early in our chair in the evenings and then we wake up too early. But some of us know what that's like. You just wake up early sometimes. And and when you get up real early, uh, when I wake up real early, it's very dark. And I've been clearly instructed not to turn on any lights uh, because it might disturb others. So I'm very cautious about that. But one of the things that I found that happens to me is it is very dark and I get to walking around and it's I'm struggling because I can't see where I'm going or what I'm about to fall down the stairs or trip over or trip over my little dog or something. And one of the things that happens is, is when it's dark, if it's dark, I don't realize all that's around me or I don't even realize if, in fact, I couldn't see. I would never know the difference. If I was blind, I would never know the difference until the lights came on. This is what's interesting about chapter 8. John was showing us in chapter 8 that Jesus being the light of the world, as he got in and around the scribes and the Pharisees, those who were religious, he turned on the light, basically. He is the light of the world and the light of life. And he, the light comes on, And then the reality of their blindness is made clear. The fact that they are blind becomes evident. And Jesus clearly pointed that out in John chapter 8 as he revealed the blindness of the religious because they completely missed the whole boat. They couldn't see Jesus for who he is. They were more connected with their own religion and their, their piety and all the rules and regulations, they were more connected with that than they were with the person of Jesus Christ. And it is interesting that Jesus at that conclusion, because they couldn't see him for who he was, then in the last verse of chapter 8, even though they wanted to uh, kill him and eliminate him, he starts to walk through amongst them they, they don't even really recognize him or see him for who he is at all. And he walks through the midst of them and then passes by. He just passes right by them and they really, they miss him. It is interesting to me that then we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, so he passed by those and revealed their blindness to them. And, and revealed it in such a way that the disciples could see that they were missing it, that they were blind, that the others were blind. Because they're seeing Jesus basically in the right light, the disciples are, as followers of him. Now he passed by, 
and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Kind of an interesting question seemingly to us, I think, uh, for our world today. It seems like kind of an odd question or an interesting question. But first of all, this man was blind from birth. So he is never seen before he was born this way. And this is the only, Jesus has healed other blind people as we go through the Gospels. We found that Jesus heals other blind people. But this is the one, the only one, that he heals that was blind from birth. He was never seen before. And Jesus does this, something that's different than restoring because he was restoring other people's sight, right? If you've had vision and then you lose your vision and then your vision is restored, that's restored vision, restoring. But this, uh, this is something that really is more of the creative nature, isn't it? As he does this healing to this blind man that was born that way. So now he's really creating sight for this one who's never been able to see before. And only Jesus surely could do that miraculous work. His disciples ask him something that we find to be interesting. Since he was blind from birth, the disciples are wondering about something. They're curious about this situation. Now, you know, Jesus is wanting to do an illustration for us and for the disciples following, for those around, those looking in. And he's wanting to show that he is able to heal, no doubt, that he is, he is God, but he's wanting to show something that is regarding spiritual blindness, not just physical blindness. Because remember, when he's been talking about the Pharisees, we saw that it was a spiritual blindness that they had. The light comes on, Jesus is present, And it reveals their blindness because they aren't seeing things in a spiritual sense for what they really are. Who has sinned? This guy? Did he sin? Or his parents that he was born blind? It is interesting that a lot of times there's this association with the fact of health issues or situations and suffering, human suffering, that's associated specifically with sin. And we're wanting to affix it on something. We always feel better. All of, it's just we feel better. for this. It's a blame game. We want to blame someone somehow, something, for why it's like it is or why the situation is what it is. And so they're curious. But it is interesting to me uh, that someone would be sinning in the womb. You know, I mean, it was he, is it because of his sin in the womb that he's been born blind? This is an interesting thing. Not only could it have gone into uh, pagan uh, thoughts or a pagan philosophy regarding that, or whether it is from Jacob and Esau fighting in the womb. I don't know. But the, some Jews did have this. It was kind of something that propagated around, thinking that there was, uh, and, and it could be from this previous life, which does not exist, we know, but this, these pagan thoughts creep in. And so they're asking, and it kind of shows that they're a little bit off in some of their thinking. Who has sinned, this man or his parents? Was it something that was transferred? Was it something that transferred from the parents? Now, is that possible? Not to some extent, 
You know the things that they put in, in little kids right when they're born. They put drops in the eyes because they want to prevent anything that could have happened when the, in the birth canal. You know, that's, that's common practice. That's something normal to us, but they didn't have any of that. What caused this man to be blind? And it's interesting that Jesus' response, he says in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. That wasn't the, it's not that they weren't sinners, okay? Because we're all born into sin in that sense, right? He's, he's saying, but in this situation, the specific issue that they're dealing with, it's not necessarily directly related to any specific issue that they have done or not done. Neither this man nor his parents has sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. It is interesting that Jesus would say it in this way. And then in verse 4, halfway through, it kind of goes through, and then you got like this semicolon, so it kind of stops the thought, and then we pick up the thought again. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. He says, I, I, I must do these things. This is an opportunity. This is really one of the keys in, in this kind of a thought, is your struggle, your issue, those areas, those sufferings that happen in our lives, just as this, this blind man, there are things that go on that aren't necessarily your direct, just because you're in a situation and that situation, circumstances happen, and things go on, and it's just similar to that in this way. That it's not either the parents or his own sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That God sees your situation as opportunity. And that's really, really important. That God sees your circumstance, my circumstance, as opportunity. Now let's back this all the way up into when we first got introduced to Jesus Christ. We were, in fact, spiritually blind. We didn't know God. We weren't walking with God. We weren't following the Lord. And God was wanting to do a work. God had a purpose and a plan. This guy is not only blind physically, but he's also blind spiritually. But the Lord is wanting to open his eyes. Is it an obstacle, the circumstances, or is it opportunity? Is your situation filled with opportunity in the Lord? And I would suggest that every circumstance is like that. We hit these things, they're like block walls to us. We get all immobilized. We can't figure out heads or tails of what to do, what the situation is. And God's got us in this great place that all we can do is cry out to the Lord. And then the Lord starts to reveal himself in that situation. And the times that sometimes we have found are our greatest difficulty can lead to the biggest strength. Paul the Apostle said that when he was at the end of himself, that in all his infirmities and in all his struggles and all his circumstances, no matter how bad they were, he found his grace was, God's grace was sufficient. Strength was perfected. In your weakness, in my weakness, in Paul's weakness, that's what he was saying, that strength was perfected in those situations. My strength, my grace, you know, is there, and, and, my, and you're going to be the strongest you've ever been as you rely on the Lord. And that's such a powerful 
truth. Well, Jesus is wanting to use this. It's neither the sin is not really the issue in this situation. It's that the works of God would be able to be revealed in him. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he keeps going back to that. He's the light of the world. And it is interesting that today, you and I are the reflection of that light. Jesus, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, he lives within us and we are able to reflect that light. And how do you view circumstances? Jesus is viewing them in this way. Are you viewing them like that? I think perspective plays such an important part in our Christian experience. Am I seeing it as an insurmountable obstacle? Now I'm immobilized. I can't break through it. Now, I don't believe, as for a believer, that that salvation is in the hinge on that. But what I do believe is the breakthrough that God wants to do is going to be a work of His Spirit in your life, in my life, in our life as believers. And He wants to break through that as the light of the world. You know, one of the things that I have found is sometimes in the most difficult times as a follower of Jesus Christ, God seems to do some of the most powerful things. When I'm so distraught and at the end of me, there is so much opportunity because people are looking at you. They're looking at me. And when you're fake and you're trying to pretend you're super Christian and that super Christian doesn't have any problems, man, People don't identify with that. But when they see you struggling and you're open about that, yeah, I'm having a difficult time, but I'm relying on my God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People, it gives people hope. It makes them see, wow, I want to see how this turns out. It's neither the sin, either isn't the issue in it, it's that God might reveal himself, that God might do a work in and through that seeming obstacle that it might turn into opportunity in the Lord. So, basically, suffering, any human suffering given to God can and will be used for His glory. What a great truth. Romans 8, 18. You'll notice it's a connected verse worth reading when it comes to this. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, that those sufferings that we go through presently are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That those things that you struggle with, those things that I struggle with, it doesn't even compare to that glory that God wants to reveal Read another one quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. If you're at 1 Corinthians, you'll get the wrong quote. Chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation all our turbulent times, all our struggles, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There is an implication by Paul out of that in 2 Corinthians. There's an implication there 
that you, that I, that we are going to go through difficult times. Jesus was very clear about that. You remember when he talked about building on the rock, that you and I are going to face difficult times. He said, the storms are going to come. Either way, the storms are going to come on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. The storms are going to batter on your house. And the significance, the importance of building on the rock. That the storm's going to come. And when the storm comes, where are you going to find comfort? Where do you go? What do you turn to? You know, I think we really find something interesting about our hearts and our lives and where we're really at in our journey with the Lord. When, when we face difficult times, where do we turn? We go inward. We just go in and start kind of going into the turtle shell. Do we go just go out to the, the, the bars, the taverns, go out to the club in it, need a little release? Where do we go? Where, where do we go to, to get help? Where do we go to get encouragement? We just start calling people we know? You see, when we go to the Word and we go to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is where we truly find comfort. And when we find comfort there, the beauty of this is, is that God can meet that need better than any human, better than any circumstance. Think about the blindness of this guy's been blind his whole life, never known anything but blindness. And God's wanting to reveal himself to this guy. Not only that he might see, but that he might see spiritually. That he might have sight. That he might have life. That he might know the light of this life, Jesus Christ. Jesus seems to really reveal some wonderful things about true ministry in this situation as he compassionately reaches out to this guy. Walking past, he passed by him and saw this man. And we've talked about, well, there's got to be other people he's come across. Why this guy? Why not somebody else? Well, there's a sovereignty issue here, isn't there? God knows who and what he wants to do with whom and how he wants to do it and how he wants to reveal himself. And we don't need to worry about all those things. God's going to do the right thing in the right situation. So, when he had said these things, after Jesus has said these things to his disciples, answering their question about who really sinned and what's really the issue here, one, there's a human need, isn't there? And the human need caused opportunity. It's in a recent situation where I was kind of told that sometimes people don't like because someone's struggling with a loss, whatever that loss might be, a, a family member, maybe a job situation, whatever the loss is, that we need to be careful not to be kind of opportunistic and to try and take advantage of, as Christians of those situations, you know, because it would just be kind of those uh, conversions that maybe, you know, don't take or because they're just struggling and so they're, you know, reaching out. And, you know, I, I was kind of being schooled in, in this situation by an individual. And, you know, I, I, just didn't have, I just didn't say much because it wasn't my place to say much. But believe me, when given the opportunity, I was real clear about sharing the gospel and the hope that's in Jesus Christ. 
and whether I ever walk through the doors and speak there again doesn't matter to me. I don't answer to them. I answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so <laughs> it's just the way it is. I understood what was being said to me intellectually. I understood what was being said to me, but even right here, and that was very recently, and even right here what's interesting to me is this refutes that concept. Human suffering does and oftentimes will lead to opportunity for ministry. Human suffering does and most often leads to opportunity for ministry. That's, just, that's what Jesus is teaching us here. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad when someone's, you know, deathly ill in the hospital and the family's struggling and a bunch of the family members there aren't believers. I don't feel bad saying, hey, you know what? Let's pray. I believe Jesus can help us through this and can have an impact on this situation. Let's pray. I have no problem with that. I don't think we should have a problem with that as Christians because that is opportunity to import Jesus Christ into a situation that allows for opportunity for his light to shine in an otherwise dark circumstance. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, many times, those are the times that opportunity is there for us to reveal the love of God in the midst of difficulty, trial, and struggle, and even in human suffering. Now, I'm not saying we need to do anything other than just what I said, that we aspire to try and meet the need. I remember being in Thailand. I'm walking down the beach. I come across this. Uh, this is right after the tsunami had hit, within a week or so, a week and a half of when the tsunami had hit there. Walking down the beach, and I remember this one uh, gal coming up. She had one little boy with her, and she comes up to us, and she starts talking to us. We had an interpreter with us, and she starts explaining to us what happened. You know, she's been walking the beaches since the tsunami and just trying to find her other child. You know, all I could do was listen, give her some water, and pray with her. You say, well, that seems pretty empty. What else can you do? But at least it brings some light in the situation. It brings some hope in Jesus. She couldn't hang on to the other one. She was able to hang on to the one and the guilt and all of that. All he could do is just say, hey, God knows. God loves you. And have compassion on the lost situation and the suffering that's there. But I'm not going to not share the love of God in that. And that God could comfort. Thank you for tuning in today and for listening to the radio program, for listening to God's Word. And I know God has a perfect plan for your life, and it starts, really, by giving our hearts to the Lord. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, or you're just in a place where you're, you, you have a sense that you're distant from God, and you just want to open your life up to the Lord, you know, the Word says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. 
for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that's full of grace and mercy, that he's willing to pardon all of our sin, to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. It's a simple prayer just to give your life to Jesus. Man, all things become new when we give our lives to the Lord. If you just pray this simple prayer along with me, Jesus, I want to open my heart up to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin, my unrighteousness, that you would pardon me. I thank you so much for that grace and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, thank you for the love that put you on the cross, that you did that willingly for me. And Lord, again, I I just open my heart to you. I receive you as my personal Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for that free gift of everlasting life that you've given me. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you can be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. The service times and directions can be found on calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus,